0: Just as in Chicago, in Philadelphia, they have traditions near the start of the game. Let's listen to Lou Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time,
1: please welcome the number one right there. to Mr. NHL, and Lauren Hartz.
2: Well, thanks for doing this with us oh thanks for asking me well bear with us because i'm like a total newbie at all this so i have no idea what i'm doing so <laughs> we're just gonna chat with you yeah that sounds good okay
0: hi lauren. Oh, well,
2: lauren do you know corey hi
0: hi lauren how are you good thank you
2: so i should have worn my shirt
0: i know we got here we're like
2: one of these days we're going to show up wearing the same shirts <laughs> all right so i guess we're just gonna you know we're gonna go through growing up with the flyers and all that and then you know get into more of your you know singing career and all that i mean you've done like i've known you my whole life and i just was going through i'm like i can't believe some of the stuff you've done that i never knew about yeah. like it's incredible <laughs> you
3: know it's so funny because. People know me from the Flyers, and um, in Philly, that's a big audience, and they have no idea. They're, a lot of people say, oh, you sing outside of here? And I'm like, do I do? <laughs> um, so it's not unusual that, that I, I think particularly in Philly, everybody kind of views me as Anthem Girl, which right. is so cool. I love that, but um, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple other things i smushed in between there quite a
2: few but we'll start back in the flyers era and then we'll move on (laughs) so it's funny um corey was saying um like he's wondering if you had any like dirt on me like joking up like growing up together and i was like you know what we really didn't spend that much time together growing up like we'd see each other at events and stuff but um it's true well i think you know when you're young like a couple years
3: age difference you're like, might as well be on different planets. For like, sure. Yeah. Like one of my closest friends is Lindy Snyder and we didn't talk all growing up. Cause she was like a teenager. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, and it's funny how just that connection though we've made these friendships, um, that are really kind of deep because we have this shared experience that, you know, kids don't really have, you know, so, I think that um, you know. It's. I'm glad that even though we were younger, we might have been separated by a couple years of age. Now, as we got older, we everyone kind of connected, and it was sort of nice.
2: That's one of the reasons why Corey and I started this because you know we connected later in life. I mean, we didn't know each other growing up, and it's crazy that connection. Excuse me, that connection without knowing each other, but it's almost like you have, you know, your whole life, because it's growing up that way. And it, and it is it's special. And it's unique.
3: It's true. And in particular with your father, because um, when my when my father passed away, um, your dad became such a strong presence in my life, and he, he told me, he expressed how he felt about my father and their friendship. And it's something you don't really talk about on a regular basis, but because of the situation, he really opened up a lot, a lot to me. And I kind of, over the years, I feel like he's kept an eye out, you know, kind of. And mm. you know, in certain situations, he, he, he'll come up and say, I know exactly what you're thinking, you know, because he, get, he gets it. So um, that is really, really special to me um, I don't see him other than hockey games, but when I do, it's just, like, this great family feeling, and, um, yeah, I think we're really lucky to have that extended family. I love, I love that, 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 that my, my dad.
2: Oh, so that, sorry. i sorry. Keep getting an echo. in my
1: face
2: all the time. But just that my dad has that presence for you because...
1: Actually, I'm so sorry, guys. Uh, Lauren, I apologize. That's actually a little bit of of feedback coming from your computer. So I'm just going to mute your mic from here, like, interactively, if that's okay. okay. Whatever you you need to do.
2: Yep. Um, No, but about um, how special that is with my dad because I do feel like... I mean, I was younger, but I feel like our dads had similar personality and that warmth and those hugs that... Can take every care away in the world, and so I'm glad that he has that presence for you now, in your life. Yeah, he really
3: does, and he's just you know he's a real positive energy around um, the team and, and around, and he's you know he's just really outgoing, and you know he's got his thing, and he he shares spreads the love. So
2: yeah, he does. <laughs> so for you now, I, I know for me growing up in the spectrum and have like the Christmas parties and all like those special moments. I know we always, I always talk about the Christmas parties on these podcasts cause they were just such a special day getting off school. And like, what, what's your favorite when you look back growing up in those halls we're running around in the spectrum. Like, do you have favorite moments from there? Oh, I do. You know, I used to go down,
3: um, well, there was two, uh, Uh, Every once in a while, I would weasel my way into the press box, which was like this inner sanctum that you did not go into, (laughs) especially if you're a kid. They didn't have kids running around in there. But every once in a while, I'd I'd get in there, and I'd sneak in there, and I'd go, wow, this is the greatest. And Uh it was a line of writers and broadcasters. But, you know, and then he would let me sit in the chair next to him. I'd be like, oh, this is so cool. It was great. So that is a really great memory. And also, you know, meeting him after the games – um, downstairs, uh, I thought it was just the coolest, too, because you'd see all players walk by. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like celebrities, you know, for people that are hockey junkies and live in that world. It was kind of really exciting, you know, so those are those are a couple of my my best memories. Um, I
2: agree that hallway outside yeah. the locker rooms and then there was the wives lounge. Like It was mm-hmm. just such a little cool area to to be a part of, for sure. It was. Okay. It yeah. was.
3: And especially since we were kids, you know, we weren't really allowed to be in any of those places.
2: Right. <laughs> we're, were You know, maneuvered in there every
3: once in a while and nobody said anything. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know. Yeah, it was sad the day that building
3: came down. Oh, uh, it really was. You know, I, I watched it from the director's lounge in the new building, which was then, I think, Core States Building, it might have been called, or I think so. It's changed so many times. Yeah, but we watched. I we watched from that um, window across the street, and I got to say, oh, my heart. And you know, Mm -hmm. Ed Snyder, who had happened to be there as well, uh, couldn't even watch it. He just like he he was there for the pre things, and he's like, no, I can't stand this, and he left. because he's so emotional about it. But yeah, there's like so many memories, and Dad did more than. You know, he took us to concerts there and he, uh, he just, you know, a lot of our, a lot of activity, he, he broadcast and called games for the wings, which was a lacrosse team. So we were there a lot more than just even flyers. And it felt like a second home, you know, it felt like
2: our, a playground really. For sure. And did you know Corey's dad actually played goal for the wings too? Oh, really? Like, when he what? was out of town, he would fly in to play games and then fly back to, like, wherever, right, Cor? <laughs> well, that's
0: it. Yeah, so that's what my dad, you know, so the story, my dad was the original 67, and then um, my dad was traded back for Bernie. When my dad went to Toronto, Bernie came back to Philadelphia. and But in the summertime, my dad played pro lacrosse, so he played for the Philadelphia Wings. So my dad had a good connection with your dad because he would – do the Flyers games and he would do the Wings games. So it was uh, that was pretty neat. And as I say, my dad has so much respect for your dad and says so many nice things about him. But that was a connection too. He was at the Wings games and did the yeah,
3: wings. I, I, mean, so. I never knew that. That is yeah. definitely <laughs> cool. So yeah, I love how that that connection happens and it seems like, you know, um, in, in general, you know, the families even that are not playing hockey anymore and the kids are growing like ourselves, they've really kept interconnected. And you know, learning those new little things about each other is is cool. Like you said, you know, I did as well, like the there, and maybe I didn't know your dad did the lacrosse. So it's it's kind of nice. Kind of nice.
2: Yeah, that's another fun thing about doing this podcast. Finding out—I mean, Ray Sharrow had stories like things I never knew. But one thing, everyone we've spoken to so far has mentioned your dad's name. Like he has come up in every every conversation, and everyone yeah. just adored him respected him felt his love and warmth like it's just it's really cool you know people from all different parts of the game that really respected and loved him
3: it's true and he just you know he was great at what he did because he was just like the consummate professional he was always super prepared and spoke different languages and you know was just on his game but the other side of him was he was a complete fan and just really loved being there loved like a kid being part of that whole group and so i think it was the genuine part of him like beyond all the technical stuff that he did but it was that extra little thing inside of him that really made people connect to him i i have people you know, he passed away in 1999. So and I have people come up to me all the time with great with like the greatest stories that I had never heard. So it's kind of like I get little pieces every now and then, which is nice. Yeah.
2: And it makes special our situation of having our dads with people that you know, one day my dad will pass hopefully not for a long, long time. But you know, it, it keeps that that alive. And to hear those stories, even when I see pictures that I've never seen before of my I'm like, Oh, my God, I've never seen that one before. And it's it's mm-hmm. cool. So everyone kind of keeps your me- the memory alive. They do.
3: And actually, a fan had handed me a picture uh recently of my of my dad at uh, one of the carnivals, which was always a, a good memory, too. Yeah. And, um, he said, you can keep it. Because I had never seen the picture before. And he's Aww. like, so that was really nice.
2: Yeah, the carnivals, they were fun, too. Being yeah. up close with all the players, you know, when you were younger. It was like, <laughs> ooh, whose booth do I get to work in? You know, <laughs> It was fun. uh, Yeah. One of the carnivals, um, I
3: remember one of the carnivals, you know, people, they used to have all the fun and games sort of where the concessions would be. So they'd have them behind that. And instead of selling beer and popcorn, they were doing, you know, spin the wheel games and water gun things. And, you know, um, one year, (laughs) I, I was like, yeah, one year, I was really, I was kind of pretty young, but I was dating someone who just happened to look like, um, Ron Sutter, who had played, was playing for the team at that time.
1: Mm-hmm. we
3: were like, Ron, can I have your autograph? Can I have your autograph? And for the entire day, <laughs> he signed his name, Ron Sutter. It was that not- autograph. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was not that was not him. <laughs> we
2: had fun that day. I'm not oh, sure. I'm sure. But um, <laughs> it's so crazy how things have changed. Like it was so. personal back then i think with you saying about your dad being a fan i think a lot of the players back then my dad's era corey's dad's era were super grateful to be where they were and you know the money wasn't what it was it was all about just playing hockey and um the carnival you know you're getting face to face with these players just putting a quarter down and you know now everything's just secluded off it's just it's it's crazy how much this it has changed over the years it has. It has.
3: And I think that was part of the beauty of the experience um, for people that got a chance to to do those um, in years past because you did get, you know, face to face. And it wasn't just a quick picture and move along. It was people had conversations and, you know, you were meeting kids were meeting their idols and um, it was just
2: really it was just really a, a cool, cool thing. Yeah, we were lucky to be a part of all that because it'll probably never something like that's never going to come around again. So we're, we're fortunate.
3: I don't think so. I think, you know, we have we're so inundated. Um, they're, they're probably so inundated all the time as somebody in that celebrity spot that it, it just needs you need to have that little extra wall. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that changes everything. Yeah.
0: See, you guys are so lucky because when my dad got traded to the Leafs there wasn't a Leafs carnival. There wasn't any of this stuff. So I'm like, and I'm reading everyone grew up in Cherry Hill. We used to live in Cherry Hill. So it's so funny. I mean, you guys had such a, such a a great time and the Flyers are such a class act organization. I laugh because I don't remember, you know, Toronto Maple Leaf carnivals. And I remember my dad dragged me around the ice. We had a Christmas party, but um, it just shows just listening to all this stuff just shows, you know, how in depth and how classy the Flyers organization really is. So yeah.
3: And, after they had won those cops, people would come to, you know, the house and be on your front line. Mm, yes, we <laughs> us too. <laughs> and
1: it,
3: you would never have that, like you're talking about how things have changed. You would never have people on do that anymore because you'd feel like, oh, people are invading my privacy. Or yeah, but the then, cops would be it, called. Yeah, <laughs> but back then it was great. My dad would go outside and, you know, just talk to everybody because we had a neighborhood feel. And kind of everyone lived not only in Cherry Hill, but, like, within, you know, blocks of one another, basically. So um, there was a little community there. And it was not nice that the neighborhood people and the fans felt like they could do that. They could just come over and maybe they'd see your dad or my dad.
2: Yeah, I tell the story, too, that um, when they won the Cups, people climbed our house and hung, like, sheets spray-painted, like, you know, We won, and Bernie, 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 kids had bikes, they were camping out on our front lawn, having like picnics, (laughs) the kids' bikes were like all over the street, like everyone from the neighborhood was just hanging out on our lawn. And it was, it was fine. Like it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It wasn't, oh my God, call the cops and get these people out of here, you know? (laughs) So that's funny, you had the same experience going on with that, that's funny did.
3: He definitely did. And my dad was more than happy to go out and talk like all day long to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's
2: so cool. And again, that would never fly today. Like, ever. it, <laughs> it just, Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't. But
3: you know, there, are, I, I think that, you know, because it's become such, like you said, because it's become such a um, huge sport, and it's, you know, moved up in its massive audience. And And money and, you know, people come and go where I think like, you know, when you have a lifelong relationship with a team, you know, a long relationship with a team, um, you really kind of get ingrained in the culture and you know the fans and you, you literally know the fans. And those kind of conversations and interactions, my dad just so enjoyed. He just so because, again, he was a fan. Like in his heart, first and foremost, I think he really was a fan. And when, we, when they would lose, he'd come home and we'd know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did he react? Was he quiet,
2: cursing? Yeah. Like, what would he do? <laughs>
3: he would just give, you know, he used to come home, like, I guess whatever time the games were, um, he'd come home the same time, like clockwork. I'd be up in bed, but I hear the garage door go up and I know that he came home and he'd be smoking a cigar downstairs. And um, if he, if, if he was uh, happy, he'd be here chatter talking to my mom, and the TV might be on. But if he, he if he was unhappy, it would be like he 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 wouldn't talk to anyone, and he'd have like this really somber classical music on. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: like he was mourning the loss or something. You know? It's so funny how similar our dads are. Because my dad, same thing with the cigar. Like I always love the smell of cigars because it just reminds me of hugging my dad when he came yeah. home because he always smelled like a cigar. And same thing, when he was upset, it was just silence. Like, he wasn't yelling. He wasn't, and my dad wasn't a big curser or yeller or anything like that, but he would just be quiet. And you knew he was upset when he was quiet. Yeah,
3: it's definitely. And, this, you know, I think I think the fondness for that cigar smoke, you know, because I could literally smell it wafting up the stairs. into, into mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, whenever, uh, whenever I smell that, it, like, it just brings me right back to being, yeah. you know, and having that sort of imagination at that time.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. See, Lauren, I never knew that we had all of this in common here. And
0: What, what I like know. was when you mentioned about the, um, the garage door, you knew the, as a kid, you knew the games were over. If I wasn't at the game, I knew the game was over. I would listen to it on the radio. And... I knew there was about an hour and a half, two hours before I would hear my dad come across the the bridge on the deck because I could hear his footsteps, and that's what I knew when the radio went off. So we—it sounds like everybody kind of had these these signs if you weren't at the game that, oh geez, you know we know when dad's going to be home.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, ours, mine was the garage door too. Yeah, mine was, the garage door go up.
0: Yeah, footsteps coming across the bridge was ours. Yeah. That, so. <laughs> wow, that's so funny.
2: It is funny. So, I like that. Yeah. So when like when was the first time you actually sang at the um, well? I guess it was which stadium was it when you first sang? Like what year um, was that? The first time I
3: sang was probably like um, in ju- in junior high school. Maybe um, there's a video of it online. I'm not promoting it because I'm <laughs> 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 it was in the eighties. Mm, in the eighties, yeah. Oh god. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, had some, I don't know i had some serious color and you know hair. Hair and, <laughs> and it's funny because the video i was so i mean i i grew up watching all these different singers that philly would have like they'd have the you know hockey has that unusual tradition of just having a person their thing and so i grew up seeing andrew McArdle and so all these other singers doing it all the time. And I'm like, how come I can never do that? You know, and I kept saying, dad, how come I can't do that? You know, because I wanted to sing. And it he didn't really, I think he's just being protective, m- looking back on it. But he didn't want to um, feel like he was be- pushing his kid, you know, in this situation. And he, he didn't want to feel like he was putting me in a vulnerable spot. Um, but... As I got out early and started actually singing professionally at a, at a young age, I think he knew more about what I was capable of doing and felt more comfortable throwing me out there because it's a scary spot mm-hmm. <laughs> for anybody, for anybody that's ever sung that song in front of that many people will tell you it's, it's frightening. So <laughs> and what was it like the first time you walked out there? Were you in your boots? I was shaking in my boots.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know why I have this memory, and I could be wrong. Um, might have been a different game, but I do remember waiting to sing. And where you would come out to sing at the end of the uh, rink was also the place the visiting team would walk out. And I think it might have been a time when Wayne Gretzky was playing. And I think that's who I saw right before the game started. <laughs> you, know, you know, choking there. But if you <laughs> if you saw the video you would see that you know i um at the end of when i'm singing i just was like smiling when i'm singing and as soon as it was over i was like "Eh." i (laughs) I didn't feel like i did my best you know my best Uh you know and so i was like oh that didn't work out the way that i wanted it's like were you super critical of yourself afterwards when you went back yeah so yeah 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 so i did it a few times um between junior high and high school and then i had moved out of the area so uh, it was a long time before i I came back and and actually started singing for the team like on a regular basis so
2: now was that decided beforehand or you just kept they kept having you back or was it decided that you were going to do every game
3: well you know i they They had called me the year that my dad was inducted to the Hockey Hall of Fame. They had called me and said, "We're going to honor your dad on the first, like opening night, and we're going to give him an honor. Would you sing the anthem that night?" And I thought, "Yeah, this is great." And at the time, I was um, I was living part time in California, and I was working on a record, and you know, it was things were kind of in a in a stall in in that world, and so I thought, "Yeah, great. I'll come. I'll sing the anthem. This will be great." And when I walked off the ice that night, um, someone pulled me aside and said, oh, that was really, really great. Um, would you just come every night? <laughs> <laughs> I said, every game? Every game. You know, if you need to do something else, you can. But we'd love to have you every game. And I just said, oh, okay, I'll do it. You know? So not, just like that. <laughs> yeah. Not really thinking that it would... I, I promise you, never thought that I'd be singing it this long, you know? And... Uh, I really felt when I started, I had this, this music career that I was so committed and dedicated to um, that I thought it was just, you know, I'll do this and, you know, something better is coming along and I'll, I'll just be out of here. You know, I'll go do whatever I'm going to do next, tour or show or something. Um, but, you know, circumstances just changed and things changed and it, it, and it morphed and evolved into this whole other, you know, part of my life which I'm really, really grateful. I have to say I'm really grateful that I said yes on that day,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're like synonymous with the team now. Like, I think people would be outraged if anyone else walked out on the ice to sing that song, you know, like it would be, it'd be a problem. (laughs)
3: Yeah, you know, and I think over the years, I, I have only missed like two games or three games, something like that, like some, yeah. So I, speak, you
2: know, speaking yeah. of that, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we had your cancer diagnosis yeah. and um but you continued to sing through that. Did you miss any games throughout that time? I I think I may
3: have missed one, but I'm not even sure of that. Um, I and that, this is the great part of we're talking about family and how you know, business turns into friendships turns into a deeper relationship. You know, I'd gone to the team when I found out. My dad had died, and then I found out that I was diagnosed, like,
1: mm-hmm. six
3: years later. So it was just, everybody was in shock. And then at the time, the coach, Roger Nielsen, who was the coach of the team, also had a diagnosis. So it around wow. that time and the family and all that was going on, it was a really odd, you know, moment a really challenging moment so um yeah i went to the team and said you know this is what's happening i don't know how i'm gonna hold up i'm not gonna have hair i'm not gonna you know but i still want to come and try you know and as soon as you feel like i'm not well enough to do it just tell me and we'll find we'll get somebody else to do it until i am and you know ron ryan who was the president of the team at the time said absolutely not he's like we're with you a hundred percent and you come to all the games you can make, and we'll be there for you. You know, wow. yeah, yeah. It was, a, and that I think was a huge turning point, or that was the turning point for me because um, I wasn't able to go and do other gigs. I wasn't able to travel. I wasn't able to tour with my band. And and in that time, my record label had dropped me, and my manager had dropped me because because
2: of the diagnosis.
3: Seems like it.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I
3: mean. Wow. You know, I wouldn't be out you know, making money and I hadn't sort of broken through as a, a you know, an international artist or anything. So um that would be my introduction to a lot of people and they just felt like, hmm, you know, if had I already had like a number one hit or, you know, been in everyone's living rooms on their TV every night, um, that might have been different. You know, you would maybe be able to follow, you know, follow through, but I think because I was ill and they didn't know what the outcome would be, they just looked at it like a business and had moved on. So wow. having, that, having that 90 seconds to go out there and sing was really, really important to me. And I got, I got far more than I gave, I'll tell you. you know, People were like, oh, I don't know how you did that. How'd you come every game? But people, oh, they were just so supportive. The team was so supportive. The Snyder family was so supportive. And I would have felt lost maybe a little bit without it because my dad wasn't there. You know, my mom is going through her grief and what she was going through at the time. So having that place to go and having that support from everybody was life-changing. And I got a lot of letters from people, a lot of fans saying, you know, I'm going through the same thing, or, you know, my uncle is, or, you know, I, I I did, too, 10 years ago, and I'm still here. And so those kind of things really became very important. And, you know, I think in an odd way that the challenge of going through that arc of having chemo and going through that whole process was symbolic of, like, being a warrior, right? So mm-hmm. it was very closely related to... Um, You know the spirit to succeed and to conquer and to win and to survive and i think you see that really clearly now with a player like oscar Lindbaum, who Mm. had his diagnosis and it's absolutely heroic and you know charging to everybody who saw him get back up on the ice so i think it was a like a perfect storm of things happening um when that went down in my life and it was the worst time of my life, but it led to some of the best times of my life, like things I couldn't imagine. So, you know, it it's it's so special to me. And it's the reason why I'm able to go out and sing the same song over and over and over again <laughs> and really not get bored of it or get tired, you know. So and I credit that to the Flyers team and to the fans.
2: But then in turn, you took that and you've done so much charity work. You've done so much to give back, you know, to the cancer society. And, you know, that's pretty incredible. Like you said, you take something that was a terrible time and try and turn it into something positive.
3: Yeah. And you, those things lifted me up so much that I knew when I was in the position to do something, I would, I would be the first one there. I'd be the first one at your door to help out because I think, those little connections and little bits of like, I I did it and you can do it too, Mm -hmm. really, you know, changed changed my life at that moment. And I think a lot of people, when they get diagnosed, when they first hear from someone who's been in their shoes, it's so comforting and so reassuring that you can get through it. You know, people do it all the time.
2: And that's one of the things too with Oscar. I feel, um, you know, when we were doing the Oscar Strong tease and – um, to be able to raise that money, the the comments people writing to us like, thank you for doing this. My son had this, or you know, I experienced this, and I'm doing great. And just the feedback made Jody and I really want to do more to get back to the cancer society and to people dealing with that, because almost everybody you know has dealt with it in some way. And I just feel like, um, you know, it just for Oscar to fight so publicly and um, to have so much support. There are kids, I've gotten messages from coaches, my son just got diagnosed with what Oscar had and you know, like, and just the inspiration he's giving to young kids now that are, are dealing with the same thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, and that was a really incredible thing that, that you did at that time. And to see those shirts and to see Oscar strong like all across the country, on all teams in Canada, everywhere, um, was really powerful. So, you know, and that's you. And you
2: did that. So it's pretty amazing. It's, it's kind of surreal to think about. But, yeah, just something small that turned into something so big. But, again, the power of social media. You know, you put something up and it spreads. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of negativity to social media, but there's a lot of positive, too, you know. Yeah.
3: and I, I, Because of that, he probably saw those. Or I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure he did saw all the all the other teams wearing them and different coaches and little kids and you know yeah all all sorts of fans and it must have lifted him him a lot you know
0: i just like how it always goes back to how strong the flyer family is um you talk about you know the 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 music industry and the record label and they kind of just give up on you where flyers family a professional organization came together and you know you see it with oscar you see it with a lot of stuff that's just it's what i love hearing about the the flyers and the flyers family and and how strong they are for you know sticking together as a family so i love that that was that was interesting how the record label didn't support you on that and yeah
3: it's it's i mean it's true you know i mean uh there was such this great sense. And I think a lot of players did not move away when they no longer played or after they were done playing, came back to live here. And they have such a strong like alumni group um and a strong presence because that, that idea and that, that idea of fostering family was really pretty strong. And, and that goes back to Ed Snyder and how he, wanted to treat his employees and his team and the team's families. And, yeah. uh, and I remember, like talk about things you remember and the, and the uh, Christmas parties. I remember you. Me? <laughs> little, really little and <laughs> at the party. And I remember um, Serena Snyder, who uh, I'm now friends with as well. And she was a baby being pulled around on a sled. And I'm like, uh-huh grown woman now. How is this possible? You know, sled on the ice. But, um, you know, when you think back to those memories, how strong they were, it's what has kept people together today.
2: And it's for sure all started obviously with Mr. Snyder. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, what made Philly, makes it a little more special with our organization.
3: It does. And, you know, growing up he was like, oh, Mr. Snyder. Uh-huh. You know <laughs> so he was it. You know, he was uh-huh. like the rock star of that world. And um as time went on, it's funny, you know, I was a little kid, but as I grew up, we became friends and actually really good friends, you know. Um which was weird. And it's like, even with your dad, you know, your dad was like a dad and then we grew up and all of a sudden, you know, it, it evens out a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> We're both adults. And so you're not counting exactly what year who has what, um, you kind of have these new relationships. So I think, you know, again, that makes the friendships and last. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And so, in Corey up in Toronto, how, like, is the alumni association as, um, as strong?
0: They, um, they do a lot of charity work, but I just, I noticed just, you know, you don't want to compare them, but the, the Flyers alumni, just, you know, the golf tournaments, Mm -hmm. the, just what they give back. And I think like you said, it all stemmed from Mr. Snyder. Right. um, In Toronto, there was a lot of, back in the 70s, they had a, an owner that, you know, didn't see eye to eye with a lot of the fans, the players, and, you know, it was all about money and it were really, you know, really wasn't about the team. But Mr. Snyder held on to that in Philadelphia for forever. And that's why um, even Lauren, when, when you started singing, your father um, had a big impact on my mother. So sitting here and you know, at our age and when you come on the TV and my mom starts talking about, oh my the Gene Hart and all these stories about Gene Hart and that's his daughter Lauren and uh, it was just it was like, Oh wow, this is you know, this is so so neat. Yeah, the Toronto, you know, alumni stuff there. I I I don't see that that knit family there, but um but like I said, that's what I love about Philadelphia and um, like I said, I'm up here in Canada. I'm realizing, you know, what you guys all have down there, and it's like, geez, I got to get back down to Cherry Hill.
2: So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come but, on down, Cor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: so,
1: yeah. So
2: now, Lauren, you yeah. sang, which I never knew this either, with Frank Sinatra. Oh my gosh! Yeah. What? Well, what,
3: what happened was I was the like kind of house singer for this club in monte carlo and so all these acts would come in on the weekends and i would be the opener and then i get to hang out with whoever was the main attraction or the big you know the big act and frank sinatra (laughs) was you know was one of those was one of those people and you know i got a chance to talk speak with him and i mean he was just exactly what you would think he'd be you know (laughs) Like, I think he actually said to some about somebody's legs, like, call them gams, literally called them gams. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And he was, he was kind of uh, in the later days of his career. Um, but it was still like to be on stage and just listen to him sing and to do his thing. It was it was epic. You know, because Frank Sinatra, you know, and whether I even knew his music, you know, or anything about him, he was such an icon and such a huge celebrity um, all over the world. Because this was a, um, you know, kind of in, Monaco's in the south of France, a small principality. And, you know, everybody knew Frank Sinatra. So, yeah, that was pretty exciting. That was, they had, you know, and every week it was kind of different A different kind of acts from like Diana Ross and Tina Turner and um, jazz musicians and gypsy kings like ran the gamut. So I I did have the opportunity to go and interact and sing and do a lot with people that I never normally um,
1: would come in contact with.
3: Did you have a favorite? Did I have a favorite? Mm, You know, Frank Sinatra does stick out in my mind. (laughs) I think so. Each week they have like these, um, these giant posts, um, all over, all over the, um, the area. And they would put these big posters up with whatever act was coming. And there was one street sign that had this big picture of Frank Sinatra. And it was, it was huge. And then down at the bottom it said, and Lauren Hart, (laughs) (laughs) small, but it's like, you were on the poster. I was on that poster. You know what? I kept it, and it is framed in my living room. So nice. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's what, was he Like personable? He was. You know, I didn't get to, to spend, you know, it was just a, a weekend, and I didn't get to spend many hours with him. But he really was and really interested in what, what was going on um, musically because there was a whole – at that time, I had a whole orchestra, not just a band. I had a full-on wow. – Horns, strength, like everything, so it was more of a grand sort of, you know, musical experience that you don't, as a musician, you don't really have that um, normally. So, but he was all interested in what everyone was doing, and um, my orchestra would be most likely the band or the the musicians that would support whoever came in. So that just the artist would come in, and then be all set up and have charts. So we'd be going through music days ahead of time, and um, each week was like, who's next? You know, who who will we see next? Well, that must have been such an exciting time for you. How long were you now out there for? It was an exciting time. Well, I was out there from, oh boy, let's see, I think off and on for about seven years. Oh wow! I go back and forth. It was kind of a quiet season. In that um, and during the year that you know they didn't have tourists or they didn't have a lot of people you know coming in and out, so they would kind of things would go dark. So I'd come back and forth, but I always felt like you know that was just the most amazing time of my life. It's like you know you think of an American in Paris, you know like this yeah,
2: all going off and with the big orchestra behind you and singing with Frank Sinatra, I mean it sounds like a you know a Hemingway book It does right? it yeah such a fantasy come true in life. and um yeah that was
3: that was that was um such a special time and interestingly enough um, uh my husband todd lived within a within a mile of where i lived in the no. south and we had the same friends at the same time because but per- didn't know each other we didn't know each other. Wow! So I don't know if we had never sat down at a, a meal together, or if I had just never come across him, but he was there at the same time as wow. I. Wow! And it wasn't probably till ten years later that we met again here
2: and um, figured that out. And like, what are the chances? I mean, come on, girl yeah. from New Jersey, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you guys are there at the same time. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, and he had come from Spokane, Washington.
3: Wow. So we were both sort of fish out of water there, but um really we loved the culture and we loved the people and what was happening at the time, so we were kind of, you know, committed to our journey there for a while.
2: How did you two actually meet? Like um, back when you got together? Yeah, we met on a TV
3: show, on your show. Well, my TV show, yeah, I had the television show which was called um, 10, and it was sort of like an hour before the Today Show or yeah. After the Today Show, and it was a variety of stuff, just like kind of in the Today Show. But he had come on to talk about this trek across Antarctica to the South Pole that he was doing, and how he's trying to raise money, wildlife, and the Earth. And I just thought he was such an interesting guy, and he captured my attention like. As soon as I walked into the lobby of the hotel where we shot the uh, shot the show, I saw him already there, sitting uh, like across the room. And I thought, "Who is that guy?" Like it was for me, I was like like a magnet. And I went wow. down, I sat there, and I was like, "So, mm-hmm. tell me about this and tell me about that." Like, um, and he was just looking at me kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> and uh not really responsive and and i had my line like so what does your girlfriend think of all these uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta work that in mind, you know? <laughs> i'm like please say you don't
2: have one say
3: you don't have one and um he's like yeah she's cool with it uh, I,
2: was like, um, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say that so did he had a girlfriend at the time uh, yeah so uh, i was like okay bye. <laughs>
3: that night I I sat in my chair and everything and um uh we had like a great conversation on air and I have a picture framed from NBC of that first conversation we had that's awesome how we're like you know like we were just kind of drawn to one another and um yeah so at the end of the show and this would be something never in a million million years I would do um but it was like kind of very fourth grade-ish. I said, I, said, I said to a girl on the set, I said to one of the women on the set, I'm like, okay, come on I'm like, I'm gonna tell that guy um, that if he's ever single again, that he should totally come back here. <laughs> and- and I was like, "Okay, go, go, go!" And she went. And I'm watching this across the lobby. I'm watching her. Yeah, 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 I'm like, "What is she saying to him?" Now I'm mortified because she knows what she's saying. <laughs> she comes back, and I'm like, "So what did he say?" And he said, um, "He said this." He bow- he said he just bowed to her, and I said he didn't say words. She's like, "No." I'm like, "Gosh, all right, I read that one wrong." <laughs> um, but but like two. She- two and a half weeks later, maybe, I get a voice message on my machine. Um, yes, this is Todd Carmichael calling from the South Pole. Well, just <gasps> wanted to know I made it, and yeah, I put an NBC flag here for you. <laughs> and your heart's probably like pounding hearing this message. <laughs> <laughs> so It's like, yeah, anyway, uh, maybe we'll do the show again when I come back. So I was like, okay. And, and he had said at the time, since I lived by myself, I had a dog flyer. Um, I would always say on my voice machine, we are not home now because he's my buddy. We're not home right now. But he heard that and thought, oh, she's got a boyfriend too. So it's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but he did come back to the show and eventually, you know, we did, we did
2: connect. I I never knew that story either. I love it. He, um, he does have such a presence about him. I think the two of you together just mostly because of the type of people you are like just the the loving giving you want to help everyone type personalities and i just think like it's it's awesome like i just think you guys have such a beautiful family and relationship and you definitely were meant meant for each other and i was just like
3: i was just thinking that yesterday we were kind of doing like sunday all the cleanup in the house and all the kids are around and i was thinking about how that wouldn't have been built with any other person but him like i wouldn't be in my this world that i'm in and so we were completely meant to do this because this like every day i wake up i'm just so thankful for what i have and the family that i had um and have and it all goes really quickly, as you know. Sometimes. It does,
1: <laughs>
2: and you're <laughs> so fast. And your kids are just all gorgeous, and they're the smiles you can just see, like you know, the energy and the happiness coming out of their faces. Yeah,
3: we, you know, it took some work, but we we are totally a happy family. You know, um, I don't know how other families are, but my my kids don't fight, and my teenagers don't talk back. There's just not none of this kind of like stuff. It's always just been love and respect. And it, it kind of is unusual, I think, probably. Well, yeah,
2: Corey and I definitely have fighting in our homes.
0: <laughs> we're going to have to get some tips from Lauren. Yeah, we got to talk after the show. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
3: Well, yeah, well, you know that I'm an adoptive parent. So the thing with that is 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 that when you first come together, um, and my kids were not infants, they were a little bit older, um, When you come together you really have to work hard to bond and to trust one another and it's a conscious decision you know it's a it's a it's a work in progress from day one and i think because we sort of sorted out a lot like immediately that we all just got on the same we got on the same page you know and we're you know um we couldn't be more different from a geographical standpoint, but we are all so alike. and it just feels like you know, in the same way that Todd and I came together, I feel like these four other beings were were came together and joined like right where they were supposed to be at
2: the right time.
3: Yeah. And
2: I do think there's a little bit of extra gratitude there. Um, when you adopted situations like this on both sides. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know the story, I think it was of your youngest, all that Todd had to do to even just to go get him, you know, the the physical trip. And I just feel like there's maybe a little bit of extra gratitude in that situation.
3: There is. And adoption is not for the faint of heart. You know, it's a it's a tough road. It's a tough journey. um, And it's something I will champion forever because it's the greatest thing that that I've ever done and ever will do, um, is to, is to adopt, you know? So I was going to spread the word on that one.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, your kids, I mean, look how lucky they are to come into all this love and this big family that they wouldn't have if it wasn't for you and Todd. Yeah. And, and it wasn't easy. Like you were mentioning about the, the
3: littlest, um, uh, to get him you know, visas and to come into this country, just all of a sudden changed. And so there was all this red tape and all these things and hoops we had to jump through. And um, we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And Todd's like, that's it, I'm getting on a plane, I'm gonna find him. Because they were moving kids around to different homes and it was just kind of, kind of like a real <clears throat> scary moment. I think that what most people would not know um, is that, when we first saw a picture and got the information on each of these kids, it was like at that moment they were born to you, and you feel um, you're you're connected. It's just a picture, but you're you're connected because people often talk about can you love a child that is not you know biologically yours? Will it be the same? How will it work? But it it's that and more, I think, because you you see your other person and you know you're going to be together and from the minute that picture came up you're theirs and they're yours you just feel it and so when we were missing him and they were moving we couldn't find it was like an infant being you know your infant being taken around the city and you're like what where is it where are you taking him you know so todd went over there and to his credit waited and sat in that in that um home with that baby a guy who's never taking care of a baby by himself and um, waited and waited until until he was uh, able to get the right um, visas to come home. And how many years ago was that now? <clears throat> well, Beck just turned 10. And wow. so he came at eight months. So it's like we've been a family for nine years now. Wow.
2: Um, yeah. So you had a, a nice holiday yesterday.
3: We did. We did. My brother came over and um, he's got a little girl who's three. And- he is
2: a girl now. How's yeah. he doing? He's good. He's great. Yeah, he's great. He works with Todd. Oh, <laughs> okay. Make well, sure you tell him I said hi. Oh, I haven't yeah. seen him in ages. I
3: know. He, so he, he works with Todd, um, and uh, he's just got the most precious little three-year-old. Um, and we did Easter egg icons and ate a lot of candy, and wow, then without the three-year-old.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see your mom next week yes, which we're excited for all the wives he's excited yeah. you know that those um
3: ladies are so connected in ways that we can't even imagine so that'll be i'm interesting-
2: really excited for that i have there's about like six of them so, so it'll you know it'll be fun to hear the stories and i pulled up some old pictures and so yeah we're looking forward to that because you know you always hear the stories mm-hmm. of the men of course the players yeah. But you don't want to hear much about what's going on behind the scenes, and I'll tell you a lot of times they're the true heroes. <laughs> yeah, you know?
3: and, and that that is not a lie. You know, um, it's no easy job to. Now that I'm a parent, <laughs> uh huh. To to just you know take that take all of that on, and especially when your your person is not around most of the time. You know, mm-hmm. part of the year. So yeah, the moms get total praise and. They're rock stars themselves.
2: Oh my God, they are! I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to them.
0: Yeah. I always say the the moms have the best stories. My mom always gave me the best stories uh, coming up, and this is it'll be an exciting one.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think
3: you're about to learn a lot of things
2: you never knew
0: before.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to tell my mom, like, mom, like, thank with my mom, thank God, we're recording because. (laughs) You know, yeah. we'll we'll see what she says. You never know what's going to come out of her mouth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: well, I'm trying to think if I have anything else I wanted to touch on with you.
0: You you guys Kim, you guys have covered pretty much everything. I love just listening to, you know, I mean, all, like I mean, all you about
2: sang, <laughs> <laughs> I mean you sang at presidential inaugurations. You opened up for Fiona Apple who I absolutely was obsessed with back in the day. Train 10,000 Maniacs, I mean, it's just, you have such an incredible list of adventures, and like you say, um, I think I heard you say, somewhere I must have read, you know, just waiting for the next adventure, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what makes life fun, because you just never know, like all those twists and turns, you getting the cancer, this, you know, um, the show happening, which led you to Todd, it's just, it's crazy when you look back at how every little thing kind of leads to where you are today, so who knows what's up for the next 50 years. I, I know. I was like, I, I said to Todd the other day. I said, um,
3: "Would you ever consider um, a fifth child?" <laughs> <laughs> Which was like, uh, "I will run out of this house and sleep in a tent forever if you do that." Like, no, 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 no more. And my kids are like, "Mom, no more kids." And I'm like, "Okay, I guess I, I hear you loud and clear." So I'm like, "Can I get a dog?"
0: So, well, Kim and, well, Corey I, have five and I each kids. have
3: five. So. Yeah, we have
0: five each. So if anyone needs, a- you have
3: five kids too. Oh, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. Oh wow, that's right. I think I uh, remember you mentioning that to me. So you guys know exactly what's
0: up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between yep. the three
2: of us right here, we've got 14 kids. <laughs>
0: I just, I just silenced one with a, a hostess Twinkie. So
2: <laughs> sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, no, thank you so much, Lauren, for for taking the time to come on. And I, like I said. Um, You know, I think Kim's pretty much covered everything. I just, that that was amazing. I I appreciate it.
3: Oh, thank you. You know, I, and I'm really happy to see you as well because you are not someone I have seen over the years and been able to, been able to talk to. So it's kind of cool to put, put that all together, um, uh, with, with all the things that you were mentioning, um, because your dad certainly was a household name, you know, we, you know, as little kids, everybody looked, looked up to these guys. So um, it's cool to hear hear your stories as well.
2: Well, speaking of the family real quick, like you say, his name is not his father wasn't here that long and it was a long time ago, but he's still Doug Favell, you know, Flyers alumni. It's that, still that whole family connection.
0: It's They do a great job with the alumni. They connect all these guys, you know, last year because of COVID and stuff. But yeah, like my father and, and those original guys just are so well taken care of. You know, thanks to the Flyers and Mr. Snyder, but um, yeah, they love it. These guys are, you know, they're getting older, but they just love going back and telling all those stories. And it's such a great history with, with, you know, all our fathers. So
1: Yeah.
3: And I just found a, I just found a um, poster in my mom's house with both of your dads on it. it wow. Really? <laughs> so cool. like, yeah. Cause we're, you know, cleaning out everything and going through everything. And um, um I came across this poster and, you know, like I said, your dad was a household name and it was somebody that we, you know, was wow. somebody that everybody looked up to. And obviously Kim, you know, <laughs> your dad, um, is larger than life, you know? So,
2: um,
3: it's pretty, it's pretty amazing to see the, how it's
2: grown over the years. Jean. It's funny. Cause speaking of pictures yesterday, yesterday, I found a picture of you and your dad. And I meant to, um, I totally forgot until you just said that I'm gonna to have to send it to you. It's really cute. And you did have a little bit of a higher hair in it. Oh <laughs> I'll have to find it and then and I'll send it to you. It's really cute. Yeah. Please do send it.
3: Yeah.
1: that's
3: true. <laughs> Those are the kind of little magic moment things that, you know, um, that you love to find, you know? Oh, you for can, sure. All those little pieces come back to
2: you. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. And hopefully we can we've been saying it forever. We can actually get together for lunch one day. Yes. Soon. Yes. Yeah, yes. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well thanks, Lauren. Hope to see you soon. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Corey.
0: Okay. Thanks so much, Lauren.
2: Great to see you guys. All yeah. right. Have a great day.
0: Okay. Take care.
2: Bye. Tell Todd I said hi. I will do that.
0: The Perrant Favelle Generation X podcast is powered by
2: Biscuit Tease and Favelle Fitness
0: Bringing you unique comfort and style While optimizing a healthy organic lifestyle yes.